back. Hi. Hello and welcome to Knock Knock High with the Glockenfleckens. I am Dr. Glockenflecken, also known as Wolf Flannery. I am Lady Glockenflecken, also known as Kristen Flannery. And we are happy to have you here today. <laughs> I've, I'm full of energy. I've, I'm caffeinated mm-hmm. and I'm ready to go. You sure are. Uh, and we have a very fun, very yes. fascinating. So interesting. Guest today. Dr. K, his full name is Dr. Alok Kanogia. And he is the co-founder of Healthy Gamer. I've yes. seen him on YouTube, on yep. uh, TikTok, TikTok, Twitter. He's got uh, they're all, He's got all like the social Twitch, media. Twitch, Discord. He's got an interesting story, which he gets into mm-hmm. um, on his path to helping, uh, you know, shed light on you know gaming addiction. He has lots of of thoughts just about technology right. in general, mm-hmm. how to navigate this techno world that we live in, especially for those of us with kids. Yes. And I think there's not enough of that in the medical space of like, what do you do? Right. Because, and and we get into this in the episode a bit, but you know, the the medical industry is, is about, um, you know, disease and pathology for the Mm -hmm. most part, but here's an issue that is affecting a whole generation of kids that it's not I mean, it can be a pathology, but for just the general person, it's it's more just like, how do we right. navigate this? It's a new thing in our in our parenting experience as a society. And we have one little correction that we will address yes. now. During our interview, uh, we mentioned AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, I believe that's AAP. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we mentioned a two hour per day limit on screen time. That was their guideline. That when, was their guideline. When our kids were very young. Yeah, that's pre-2016 though. So Correct. We got on our research horse and we, we <laughs> looked it up after we finished recording. And the in 2016, they got rid of that guideline. They did. Um, because there, it was not evidence-based enough to be able to put a limit on screen time, like a hard limit. So yes. anyway, it's the guidelines now more of like, oh, just be careful with what they're watching. And and I feel like it's not really a, even a guideline anymore. Yeah, like that's not, not much, helpful. There's not much out parent. there, which is yeah, which is why it's so valuable things that, that Dr. Exactly. K is doing uh to to try to just help us navigate that he's got an approach that feels really tapped into the actual real world and like things you can do on a on a practical basis which i really like and he's a a a smart guy a harvard trained psychiatrist uh he's the co-founder of healthy gamer uh he's they've they've you know his programs and things he does has helped thousands of people um and he's worked with from the united nations to the u.s surgeon general and just really kind of clued into this area yeah. and it made me think uh, about our own uh, video game experiences yeah you like video games i do i i have you got me a ps5 i did uh well you tried to get me one like two years ago i tried for the i was checking for that entire time every once in a while eventually we did end up yep. getting it but you know, i grew up with them and what was the last video game you played consistently super mario uh, brothers i probably yeah <laughs> maybe that was the only that one was kind of fun. Yeah. Like I think it was Super Nintendo. That was the one Super that Super Nintendo. That okay. Fun, yeah. Zelda? No. A little minesweeper. I was around video games a lot because my my brothers really liked video games. Yeah. Um and then even my parents, we talked about that in the interview a little bit, but um but no, I don't no. I don't connect with them in any way. I, I don't know why. Love them. Yes. I and our kids love I them. I have fond memories yeah. of video games. And I like seeing you guys play together, right? Like as yeah. a thing that they that they do with their dad. You know, I think yeah. that's valuable. We got lots of Mario going on in our house. Oh yeah. A lot of Switch playing. Anyway, should we a get lot to of, it? A lot of Roblox too, which oof. I I'm not in. I don't have a Roblox account. It's that's a black box to me. I don't. I know. You know. That's what I don't like about. Like, we, I feel like anytime there's a black box about about what our kids are doing that, as a parent, that makes me very nervous. You can so. tell Roblox has been on our mind because I come in hot with a little <laughs> Roblox there at the beginning of the interview. So should we get to it? Let's do it. Here we go. Here is Dr. K. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. This AI-powered ambient technology is helping you, physicians, be more efficient and reduce clinical documentation burdens that cause us to feel overwhelmed and burnt out. To learn more about how DAX can help reduce burnout and restore that joy of practicing medicine. Kristen, you got to have that joy. You got to have it. Stick around after the episode or visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. 
That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X. We are here with Dr. K. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it really is a pleasure to have you on here. Thank you so much for having us. Or me, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you have other people. I don't see anybody back there on the yeah, couch. Yeah, you're a psychiatrist. You. Is there me something the, we should me know? And people, me and the people in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, I want to start off here with a, a question that's very personal to Kristen and I. What are your What is your opinion on Roblox? Oh, are, are you familiar with Roblox? Do you have an opinion on Roblox? I'm, I mean, I'm just going to jump into this now. What, because... what, what about Roblox? So, so I, I see that this is personal to you and, and Kristen just gave a... We, we have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. Okay. So we're coming at it from that context. And they love it. Um, and I feel like I'm just like out of my depth anytime. they. I was never a video game person to begin with. I mean, I grew up around it because I had brothers who were really into it. And even my parents were really into it, which is a whole thing. Um, but I never was. And so, like, they are really getting into games and specifically yeah. Roblox right now. Uh, and and so I just don't know how to parent in a world where I don't understand any of this. Right. Like yeah. they'll come and they'll want to buy little pets and adopt me and things like that. And it's it's like, how do you know? how any of this works it all just sounds like how do you, how do you keep it safe like monopoly money too. and yeah how do you keep them safe how do you keep your your uh credit card information safe <laughs> yeah I, so, so i i think you know y'all are not the only one so this is like a generational problem yeah and every basically every adult that i've talked to who's kind of in our age range which I assume mm -hmm. we're somewhere in the same ballpark. We're like yeah. talking like probably like who have young kids, even like one or two year olds and people are like, how often do we give them a tablet yeah. to older, older parents or with parents with older kids or even older, like teenage kids and stuff like that, who, you know, they come home from school one day and they say, I want to be a pro gamer. I want to play mm -hmm. Fortnite or I want to start streaming or whatever. How do you navigate that? It's really hard. Right. So yeah. I, I think the first thing to understand is, I don't think the problem is in the game. I think the problem is usually the way that we teach our children to relate to technology. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's so hard is, I'm sure y'all know some of this stuff, but, you know, like, how do we learn how to parent, right? By so, watching our parents. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. this generation of parents has a unique problem. Right. Which is that we have to parent for technology, which in the thousands mm -hmm. or millions of years that we've been human beings, no parents have ever had to deal with. We're dealing with a new problem. Right. Mm. And, and so I don't know that Roblox is good or bad because Roblox in and of itself, it's, it's a platform, right? There's, so there's like right. tons mm -hmm. of different games inside yes. of it. Um, but I, I think it's really about talking to your kids about what does this mean to you when you want to spend this money? Like what is the value of that money over time? So right now you want to buy this cosmetic or whatever. But are you going to enjoy the cosmetic a month from now, two months from now, four months from now? And I think it's really about, because our approach, and this is what I do with my kids, I have a six-year-old and eight-year-old, it's about increasing their awareness of what technology does. Mm -hmm. And once they understand it, like if you say like, okay, fine, we're going to buy this thing, but let's see how long this $15 makes you happy. Right. Mm. Versus if we get a toy or a book, which one is a better use of your money? Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and and so I, I think this these are the skills that we really need to teach our kids is awareness around what technology does to them. Right. Speaking of what technology does, like there, our eleven year old's pretty good, but the eight year old has a real hard time with the transition out of screen time. You know, out of the video games in particular. She can watch TV, and we can turn the TV off, and she's fine. But something about the games really. And, and mm. YouTube videos is kind of the same thing, you know, like it's just we call it a screen monster. She just turns into a screen monster after that. How so, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so if we look at the brain, right, so basically all not all technology, like not like alarm clocks, but if we look at the what we refer to as technology, so anything you can find on a tablet like YouTube, TikTok, yeah. video games, Netflix, take your choice of whatever social media, all of it suppresses the amygdala and the limbic system. So mm -hmm. when we're watching something, all of our negative emotions are basically like shut off. Hmm. And so the second that we stop, there is, there's almost like a withdrawal period in our brain where there's like a bounce back. So if you think about mostly like 
medical people uh, listen to this podcast? Yes. Okay. Right. I, I'd hope so. I, I think so. I don't know why <laughs> non-medical people. I hope I hope non-medical people watch it. But yeah, you can okay. you can use all your fancy scientific words, Mr. Psychiatrist. Yeah. So so if we if we look at like benzodiazepine withdrawal or alcohol withdrawal, there's like you know the second you take it away, there is a kind of like a bounce back, right? We get hyperactivity right. of some some parts of our brain that can be lethal. But anytime we're talking about technology, when you take that technology away that artificial regulation of our emotions goes away. So then there's like this torrent of hyperactivation, which then yeah. naturally will equilibrate. And depending on the kid, what they're, you know, if they've got ADHD or other kinds, it depends on their frontal lobe function and all kinds of other stuff, right? The, the time it takes for them to equilibrate is different. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What, what helps them equilibrate? Like, is there something you can do to facilitate that or support them while they're doing that? Yeah, so I, I think so. Let me ask you: when when you say the, when you stop with the eight year old, what does the process of stopping look like? Uh, it depends on which parent is doing it. When okay. I'm, I'll just speak for my own self. When I'm doing it, I try to give her like a, like a five ten minute warning, maybe both, right? So she knows it's coming, and then she's reminded it's coming, and then it comes. Um, <laughs> I have I have learned to do that over time <laughs> because it does work better to give a, like a warning, like, hey, this is this is going to happen here pretty soon. And then sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it's just, okay, we have to turn it off and, and let's find something else to do is usually how it goes. Yeah. Let's okay. And then she protests. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Some, well, sometimes, sometimes she'll turn it off. She'll do that part fine. But then she's just a nightmare after that. Right. Then it's like, uh, there's nothing to do. And she's, She's, uh, you know, throwing kind of temper tantrums about just being bored. And then I recommend to her that she just instead watch my videos on TikTok <laughs> and then it makes her cry even more. That's like great. she really is upset by that point. But anyway, I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's so. when we said that, that, you know, social media and, and content on the Internet suppresses the limbic system. That's all the content except for yours. Yours, uh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, right. I appreciate Especially that. your yeah. stuff on the American healthcare system, which is absolutely <laughs> rage-inducing. Yeah, for real. Is it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but kind of going back to your kids, so I think a couple of things. One is that you know, a five or ten-minute warning works well, but I think even like a fifteen-minute warning okay. works really well. Setting expectations before they start. Yeah, sometimes I will do that if there's like. If it, it doesn't always work out that way in the real world is the problem. Yeah. But yeah, when I can, I try to say, okay, what's your strategy for when it's time to turn it off? How are you going to basically regulate your emotions? You know, she talks about taking deep breaths or whatever. Yeah. So. And I, so I, I think just sort of letting them know, like, what is the role of technology in the day? Because I think the, the broader problem mm. that a lot of parents run into is kind of like what y'all are running into, which is that there isn't a clear replacement once it ends. And if we look yeah. at sort of the dopamine release of technology, it does all the work for you, right? You don't have to start playing anything. You just like literally click a button and then you're engaged. Whereas what kids have to do, especially at the age of eight, is they have to kind of ramp up towards a particular activity. You know, that creative play doesn't engage you the way that mm -hmm. technology does. Right. So I, I think really sort of thinking about when are we going to stop and what is the process of stopping? Like, what's the point of of watching and playing. Like I know that you want to do it. Um, and I think really raising that awareness like matters a lot. So even with my six-year-old and eight-year-old, we'll talk about, okay, we're going to watch for an hour or how long do y'all want to watch half an hour or one hour? And then they'll say, let's watch for an hour. And then I'll go in at the half hour mark and I'll say, we said an hour, y'all still having fun. Do you want to watch another 30 minutes? And then even at the end of the hour, I'll ask, okay, do you guys want to extend? Like, do you want to watch more? And how much fun are you going to have over this next half hour? And even they're able to understand. And there will be some days where I'll say, okay, like we're turning it off and we're going to go to the playground. I'm going to ask you an hour from now whether that was the right choice. Are you all glad that we stopped? So mm -hmm. I think it's like a lot more about the before and after, which a lot of parents, we weren't taught this stuff, right? Because our parents, right. like my right. parents never had a thought in the morning about what my experience was going to be like an hour and a half and two and a half hours. There was no like, randomized controlled trial in terms of happiness and contentment and how we feel right. emotionally throughout our day. But that's really what parents have to do. We I have to set up our own RCTs and have the right. child be a part of it and look at and analyze the results. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I never thought of like having our kid 
like talk participate about, about the decision making fulfillment yeah. in their activity right like are is this enjoyable to you like i just kind of assume it is but maybe it's not and and well i think even adults experience that. it right when you're scrolling on your phone and at some point you're like Ugh, why am i i've just wasted an hour just scrolling i'm not even this doesn't even feel good feel anymore good, yeah. like why am i doing this but kids might need a little more help yeah i know, you know kids kids will recognize you'd be you'd be amazed at like what they can pick mm -hmm. up and, and that's where if we like so i sort of think about what's the goal of a parent so i think our goal as parents is to prepare our kids right and if you were thinking about preparing your child 10 years from now technology is just going to be more addictive so right. we can't really protect them from technology we have to prepare them and i think the most fundamental pre preparation we can make is having them develop an awareness of what technology is doing to them, what parts they like, what parts they don't like. Um, and that. it really goes and a that, long way. That gets to, I've always kind of, the, the recommendations from the AAP of two hours of screen time a day, right? Like that's always not quite sat well with me because it doesn't feel, it feels removed from reality a little bit. Like, yes, sure, that would be the ideal. That would be great. Good luck having any family do that though, right? Like it's very hard to be able to screens are everywhere like even to do your homework you need to be on a screen and you know it's it just doesn't feel realistic to me to think our kids are not going to interact with screens more than two hours a day and to your point to prepare them for the world they're going to be adults in they're going to be on screens much more than two i'm on a screen way more than two hours a day already so what are your thoughts on those recommendations and like what do you recommend i, I think they're framed in a very challenging way. So my reflexive reaction, I didn't realize that AAP had a two hour a day limit recommendation, but I could be outdated by now. I mean, I looked at that it, it was, a long time it, ago. It was at one point. Two but, hours. But it, okay. yeah, but it might it might be different now. Okay. So just FYI yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think the biggest problem is like even the fundamental framing, that sounds to me like the hardest thing to implement. Because yes. when you have two <laughs> hours a day, that means they're getting something every day. And two hours is just enough to like reinforce the addictive nature. So what I actually <laughs> find is way better. So people will ask me like, what is the hourly limit that you recommend? I don't recommend an hourly limit. I don't think it should be used in an entertaining way on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. what, I'll, uh, what I kind of do with, with my kids and what we advocate for parents to do is once again, awareness. So even it's asking, okay, so like we work with a lot of teenagers who are like addicted, right? And then parents are like, I don't know how to get them to stop. All they want to do is, play as much as they want to. Mm -hmm. And so then I'll sort of ask the parents, okay, like you give your kid two scenarios. You can stay up as late as you want. You can game all day fri Friday or you can game all day Saturday. You can have a binge. I'll order you pizza. You can get Mountain Dew. You can play from the moment that you wake up till the moment you want to go to sleep, but no gaming during the week. Or you can play for like an hour and a half or two hours a day. You tell me what's more fun for you. So this is the problem is that what we, parents run into so much resistance because we set these arbitrary limits, but it's not clear to the kid, like the kid may be fine actually not playing every day if they get something that they want. Right. right? It's just like implementing diet recommendations for your spouse, where it's like, I'm going to say you got to eat Brussels sprouts every single day. <laughs> and it's like, okay, what's the goal here? The goal is like, let's increase our fiber intake and reduce our risk of colon cancer. So what I think kind the goal of is to make you hate Brussels sprouts. <laughs> yeah. that's, 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 that's the, yeah. And, and I think the, the two hours a day sounds really challenging because like at one hour, they're going to start to get really grumpy yeah. and they're not going to want to leave. Like at the second hour, you're way past the dopaminergic enjoyment point. Now it's just like, it's going to be way more like addictive and emotional mm. regulation and stuff like that. I, I think it's, I would not recommend even daily usage. Mm. Yeah. What, what do you do with your kids? What does it look like at your house, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think uh, we've been at it for a little while, but I would say they don't see it. They don't touch a screen, I would say, five days a week, usually. Mm -hmm. um, that's changed a little bit right now because we're actually like playing a particular Switch game like in the evenings, two or three days a week. But that's like mm -hmm. something that we're doing like now. Family that's activity. like an event. Yeah. And it's not right. like a permanent thing. It's like, hey, we got this new game. So while we're playing, let's like relax the guidelines a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that too is really important for kids to understand that you're not set in stone and we can do this sometimes. It's just it has to have the right reason to do it this way. Mm -hmm. And then we're, we're somewhat liberal um, in the on the weekends and stuff. So we'll kind of say like, you know, if you want to watch a movie in the afternoon, but I would say total screen time is less than four hours a week. And, and a huge part of that is engaging in this like 
what do y'all want to do? And then I think this this problem, I think the biggest uh, challenge, the friction is that when you guys stop, there isn't something else there, right? Mm-hmm. So really showing kids, okay, like, because now what's her experience? Every time I stop the game, she suffers for 45 minutes. Right. <laughs> so from a Pavlovian perspective, you're actually teaching her that when you take the game away, you're in for suffering for 45 minutes. Oh, super. Oh, man. Right? That's why, and this is the crazy thing. Parents don't realize that a lot of what we do, which instinctually used to work, is actually reinforcing the wrong behaviors. Mm. Yeah. And and so there there are other uphill battles, like stopping during meals and in the car and stuff like that. Yeah. I think I've just gotten more like parenting advice in like what? Eight minutes. I know. I didn't realize this. we were going to have a, a therapy <laughs> session this morning, but I did. I'm here I for was it. planning for. It. I was like, let's. <laughs> we we got to We got to figure this, this out right now. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to be digging into your work a lot <laughs> more, sir. Right. Well, I want to. I want to get into. You, you've mentioned addiction a couple of times, and you've been obviously very open with your own, you know, path to to the healthy gamer, uh, you know, platform that you have uh, and the work that you do. So can you talk a little bit about your origin story into this area and uh, what addiction, gaming addiction looks like? Yeah, so uh, my origin story is, first of all, I, I skipped a grade. And I think mm-hmm. that's actually quite significant because when I was five years old, I was competing against seven-year-olds in sports. Mm-hmm. So early on, the first thing that happened is I had this idea that I was not athletic. So I stepped away from a lot of like physical things. And like when you're in elementary school, or at least when I was, a lot of your social status is also tied to your athleticism. So I was like the last kid to get picked on the team because I was playing basketball and I was playing against people who were like a foot taller than me. And And so, so the first thing that happened is that I could only compete on a video game with my peers. That's the only place where the the playing field was level. Mm -hmm. The other problem that I had in school was that um, school was boring. So there's a predilection towards people who are bored at school and getting addicted to video games. And the problem there is that school moves at the pace of the slowest kid. Right. So, and if you're like, if you figured out, you know, how to do your worksheet in 10 or 15 minutes, you just get bored for the rest of the school. Whereas if you look at a video game, it's really alluring for a kid who's smart because when you beat level one, level two is waiting for you. And if you don't beat level one, you get to try again. Right. Whereas in school, it's like if you fail, you get an F on your transcript and then it's kind of fixed. Like you're, you're done. You're GG. Yeah. Um, so I grew up playing a lot of video games and then it really became a problem starting in high school and then college. Like I just straight up failed my first year, was on academic probation. And my parents tried everything. They tried like tough love. They tried love, love. They tried encouragement and, you know, like help and support and punishments and, yelling and they tried everything for a couple of years and they just didn't know what they were dealing with. And I didn't know yeah. what I was dealing with. Right. Um, so failed out of basically two years of college. And then my dad was like, you need, you need to go to India. And I was like, I didn't quite understand what he meant, but he didn't really know what he meant. He just knew that everything <laughs> we had tried was not yeah. working. Maybe something over there will fix it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it did. So that was pretty cool. So like I, I ah. went over there and I spent three months at an ashram and I learned like yoga and meditation. I decided to become a monk. I was like, this stuff is amazing. Oh, wow. Wow. What, what was it doing for you? Like I would have thought, so if, you, if somebody puts that on paper, I would say, okay, kid addicted to video games, failing out of school goes do, to do yoga and meditation. Like there, if you think school moves slow and is boring, like, uh, you know, how, what was it that that was tapping into for you that, that made you want to do it? Yeah. So I think oh, the way we teach yoga and meditation here is like a fraction of how fun it can be. So okay. we have a really watered down version. I'll just share with y'all kind of what I mean. So the first thing to understand is like, I was incredibly frustrated with myself. So there were some days where I would sleep through my 8am class. So here's, here's the sequence of events. I, I don't wake up on time. So then what I do is I'm like, okay, let me sign up for an 8am class. That way I have to wake up on time, right? I'm going to create an environmental thing to force me to wake up. But then what I found is I just sleep through the class. Like my alarm would go off. I'd hit the snooze button a couple of times and I just turn it off. Some days I would wake up, some days I wouldn't. And on the days that I did wake up, I wasn't really proud of myself because I was like, my circadian rhythm is all messed up. (laughs) But on the days that I didn't go to class, I was really frustrated with myself. And I just didn't understand why I could not do like, I know I'm failing out of college. I know that's a bad idea. I was pre-med at the time. And, and, you know, was like, this is bad. Like, I'm not going to get into medical school. Oh, my God. 
Like, you know, one <laughs> app on a transcript basically ruins it. And I've right. got one whole year of them. So yeah. I was really frustrated because I didn't understand like how to wake up on time. I didn't understand right. how to stop playing, even though I knew I should stop. So I understood intellectually what to do, but I did not understand how the body and mind work so that I can actually like point in a direction and have the mind go in that direction. That's right. what I learned in India is how okay. does a human being, so yeah. we studied formally, like, so we'll study like pathology, right? Or even psychology or psychiatry. If you take a psychology class, they'll teach you experiments about general human behavior. They don't teach you how to wake up on time or how to eat healthy or anything like that. Right. You don't learn that in the psych nature. So we don't have any class that teaches us about ourselves and how we work. Where do desires come from? How do you conquer a desire? Where right. do emotions come from? How do you manage your emotions? What is the relationship between emotion, identity, ego, desire, wants, needs, duty, should? All of these different things in the mind we don't learn about. So I learned that and I was like, this is amazing. Now I understand where my desires come from and I can actually control them and I can understand, you know, what decisions are being driven by ego. And then as I started like decreasing my ego and stuff like that, like I started doing way better. So I fell in love with that because it was like, this is what I've been looking for. I've been yeah. going through life and I don't understand how to control me. And I learned how to control me. So I decided to become right. a monk. When are you going to write that book? Because <laughs> I would like to read it. <laughs> so it's funny, you guys met. So I, I wrote my first book, which is coming out in March, which is a parenting book. Yeah, totally uh, going to pre-order that it's, after we're done here. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's actually available for pre-order. But um, so it, it's about how to raise a healthy gamer. So what I kind of yeah. realized is I'm helping all these gamers. And then I was like, the best way to fix this is actually like from a public health perspective. We have to equip parents to prevent these kids for, from ending up with our audience, which is like these 25-year-old people who have fallen behind in life and video games have really like messed things up for them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that, that's going to be probably book number three is my guess, but I'm working okay. on it. Well, I will be in impatiently waiting. Well, <laughs> impatiently waiting in India. I think you're going to be going. Yeah, it oh, sounds like should I we, should. Should we send you out there? Maybe get, all get of you. us. Family, family uh, yoga, little, meditation, yeah. training. It's, I mean, it sounds amazing. If you all so, want to so go, just ping me and I'll send you all Rex. <laughs> there oh, you go. Good to know, yeah. So, so you're, um, at some point you went from wanting to be a, a Buddhist monk, you said? Uh, uh, Hindu, but. Oh, Hindu, Hindu, Hindu monk. Very similar. Uh, to, to going coming back and doing medical school. So, so what happened there? Well, um, I met my wife and uh, that was also kind of interesting because I, I had two years of just abysmal dating experience, like just really unhealthy relationships and stuff while I was, you know, in college and that good stuff. And then once I decided to become celibate, I found that it really freed up my interactions with women. There was no pressure and I could just be me and I wasn't looking for anything. And Turns out that it's way more attractive to women when you're uh, yeah. just like a regular human <laughs> being. Um, and so I, like I, I started <laughs> dating my wife and because I, I tried to take my vows when I was 21 and my teacher said, you can't yet. They were smart. And they realized <laughs> yeah. that this was like kind of temporary. And, and so they're How like, How long okay. were you there at that point? So I, I spent three months there and then I came back. And then for the next seven years, I spent summers and usually December. So four months a year in India for about seven years. So I'd always go back and kind of do advanced stuff. But I basically met my wife and then decided I didn't need to become a monk. Um, <laughs> and that she also wanted to be married to a physician. And we're, we're both Indian and it's a big part of what we do. Right. Sure, yeah. Uh, and actually my teachers told me, they're like, you need to get a doctoral degree. And then at the age of 30, if you want to take vows, you can. So okay. my teachers didn't explain explicitly, but they were like, I'm like, I'm ready to forsake my life and give everything up. And they right, were like, at bro, 21 years old. <laughs> yeah. They're like, bro, like you don't have anything giving, you're not giving anything. Right. You have nothing worth giving up. So like go get something first and then yeah. give it up because yeah, that's really that's what it takes. Smart. Right. So like build something up and then get ready to throw it away nine years from now. And if you still want to do that and that's you're dedication. that committed, right. then we'll take you. Yeah. In the back of their mind, you think they were thinking, no, he's, I mean, he's not going to He's never going to happen. That's, no. that's not going to happen. Well, maybe, I, I think maybe. so. I think they understood that <laughs> they my knew. motivations were really from escapism as opposed to, right. you know, so, so then I was like, okay, I have to get a doctoral degree. That's what my guru told me. And she wants me to go to med school, so I might as well. Honestly, that was a big part of it. Hmm. Um, and then the other piece was I, I really wanted to understand people. So like I had understood this kind of yogic meditation sort of side 
And then I wanted to understand, I was like, okay, like if I really want to understand every aspect of a human being, like, let me go to med school. So the big irony is that I ended up working way harder. So once I had sort of like given up on my ego and I was like, this is a temporary thing, but I learned how to just put forth effort where I wanted to. So if I told my mind, hey, we're going to do this, mm-hmm. that it would actually listen, which is super cool. So then ended up applying to med school 120 times, got accepted on application 120. Wow. Um, I was going to say, you must, like have a had literal. A, you must have had a hell of a personal statement, man. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, I guess... It's I, an interesting path, right? It's, it's really... It, I mean, I think it shows... Because obviously you had to come back and you had all these bad grades on your transcript, right? So you had to overcome that, which yep. is the, the, the emphasis we put on on grades yeah. is, is, I mean, that, that's a whole other conversation, what, right. you know, what the emphasis should be on, but you still had to overcome that, right? Yeah. So I ended up getting three. So I, I graduated with like a 2.5 GPA. So that was hard. Um, and then I ended up ultimately getting like one interview a year because there was enough mm. stuff. So I, and then thankfully in the third year of applying to med school, I got one interview and got accepted. So it just, awesome. you know, wow. took a couple of, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a lot. It's you know, three, yeah. three years of, I mean, that's, uh, that's a, a success story right there. And right. I mean, that shows a lot of persistence and, yeah. and dedication to this goal. And I think, you know, all of your, obviously all of the work you were doing in India would serve you well during medical school and, and in your career. So I, I, think. I think that's certainly one way to look at it, but I, I think the other <laughs> side is a lot of stubbornness and stupidity. So <laughs> well, you know, sure. seriously, sometimes I, they're very related. They right? are right. So what's the difference between perseverance and stubbornness? It's just, <laughs> if you win at the end, they call you perseverant. Right. And if you mm-hmm. lose at the That's end, true. they call you stubborn. <laughs> That's a good point. Now, were you were you a psychiatry all the way? No. So I was going to do like holistic oncology. That was the plan. So oh, I, okay. I had geared up and, and done some neuroscience research and stuff and was working on like a Tai Chi and immunology lab and, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and, and so yeah, was, you know, that was a thing. That's... Yeah. So so was was doing like evidence-based complementary and alternative medicine, but mostly for physical illnesses. Gotcha. And then it was actually in my psychiatry rotation, which was just mind blowing. Like, and it took me a long time. So I did it early, right? Because in med school, you want to do like your week rotations first before you do like internal medicine and surgery and the stuff you want to get honors in. Mm-hmm. So psych was my second rotation. And I really loved it. I didn't, I had trouble coming to terms with the fact that I loved it. Um, but yeah. it was so much fun. And, and, uh, and then it took me a little while. And then I ended up, um, sort of doing a sub eye in internal medicine and psych in my fourth year. So one of my mentors was like, I was having trouble deciding. And so fourth year rolled around and I was like, I may seriously want to do psych. So I was like 90, 90% internal medicine, 5% psych and 5% surgery at, going into my fourth year. Oh, you had a little surgery in there. Huh? Yeah. Sick you. <laughs> so I didn't like the OR, but I thought that a surgical ICU was like very engaging. You like that part. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Um, That's still an area that I have no idea, even though I'm a surgeon, but I have no idea how things work in the SICU. Never, oh, I don't yeah. think so even, speaking of which, y'all, I don't even know what kind of, do- what kind of, what flavor of doctors. Well, <laughs> I'm a, I'm an ophthalmologist. Okay. So, you know, yeah. eh, kind of. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I actually, there's probably surgeons listening to this. They're like, so you're sc- not like rolling, surgeon. rolling their eyes, like, but I do operate on and inside eyeballs which it's is true. an organ so i mean you know. technically you are a surgeon that's <laughs> correct but the hospital medicine was was never like my bag so okay um you know and i i agree with you actually on the psychiatry rotation it was just because you know i had a required psych rotation and it was just so different than any other rotation you do uh it, a total change of pace uh and what I found talking to my classmates is like, you either really liked it or you didn't. Uh, that seemed to be the case, yeah. you know? And I think there's, there's a few and, and, uh, Kristen, I'm sorry, what, what flavor or I, I don't even know. If I am not a physician. Okay. Actually, I'm, I'm here to provide the, the non-medical <laughs> questions, Brilliant. but, um, but I do relate to you a lot on this idea of, you know, being fascinated by people and, and how the body works and how the mind works. And, and I studied kind of the interaction of that, how they affect each other. Um, I did my graduate work in social psychology and mm. cognitive neuroscience, um, and I was cool. specifically looking at emotion. So um, 
So I'm with you on how interesting it all is, but yeah, I'm not a physician. But I have a question about, so you're in this world of, uh, of technology and, and interested in helping young people or anybody that, that is, you know, into gaming, but is our, the way we approach mental health, is it, is it set up to help those people? Because uh, it feels like it's a whole different world now. Right. Like is, what, is the way you know, we everybody... approach like therapy and, and, right. and trying to do, is it, I mean, does there it, were no video games up? for, you know, Freud and Bulby and all these people right. that we've based all of our, all of our, right. um, psychotherapy on. So what's, so, so clarify your question for me. I, I guess I, what I'm asking is, um, have you, the platform you have in helping people in gaming, uh, it seems very unique mm-hmm. in a way that, that traditional therapy, right. It just fails to reach these types of people, uh, young people, people into gaming. And so, uh, is, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how to reconcile kind of society's approach to mental health and the, the, the upcoming generation. Yeah, so it's it's a beautiful question, and and this is where I know you all make a fair amount of public health content. So I also have an MPH, and and I think when I started HG, that was a very formative part of like how I approached it. So what I was seeing in the office is that, and this isn't just about gaming. That so if you look at our healthcare system in general, and this is true of mental health too, we're really good at like certain things. So we're really good at acute care but we're not very good at behavioral change. We're kind of okay at population-based medicine that is like low touch. So we're really good at giving people SSRIs, cholesterol meds. You have an appointment once every six months and 30% of the population will get 30% better from this kind of stuff. So very, very low cost, really low lift, and you get some really good value out of that, right? So we've got preventive medicine, you know, like, metformin for diabetes kind of stuff, SSRIs for anxiety or mood, mood kind of stuff. And then we're like good at hospitalization. So we can, you know, help people with ECT and, and acute stuff and give them, you know, 5250 if they're distressed right. or whatnot. But it's really in this middle area that we fall short. And then the second problem is that we're really, so our, our system of psychiatry, I think, has evolved in the wrong direction. So the first is that it focuses on pathology, which is what it's supposed to do. So this isn't the fault of psychiatry. But if we look at behavioral change and understanding oneself, this is actually not what psychiatrists are trained to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is why you see like this emergence of coaching, which like a lot of therapists are like, what is this stuff? Like, and, and then I'll see, you know, things on, on, in psychotherapy communities where someone will say, oh, their coach really helped them with this problem. And like, we've been working on it for three years. And then all the other therapists will say like, oh, like, it's not the coach, it's you, you've been doing it, we'll all be very supportive. But I don't think as a field therapists have asked why the field of coaching is exploding, right? So there's a huge demand for it. And why is that? It's because in therapy, we're actually trained on a pathological model. We're not trained to help someone at baseline get better. We're trained Mm. to help someone who has a pathology achieve baseline. Mm -hmm. So if we look at like, you know, addiction treatment, which makes sense, it's like, how do we get you to stop being an addict and be like baseline normal human being? How do we get someone with depression to no longer be depressed and be able to go to work? So I had one patient, for example, was very formative for me, where we worked together for a couple of years. And then he said, like, you know, hey, I'm not getting better. Like, I still feel the same. And we'd seen a lot of functional improvement. So he was like going to work and like was able to engage in relationships and stuff like that. So he'd like, like move forward on a lot of like functional indicators. And then one day we had a conversation about, it's not that you're not depressed anymore. You're not depressed, you're unhappy. And there's a big difference between those two. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest mistake that we make in psychiatry is that we use all of our tools to fix broken people instead of taking normal people and helping them become healthy, helping them become happy. And this is where the coaching stuff kind of grew up because the coaching was actually started by people who were experts in positive psychology. These are psychologists who then realized, okay, there's this like performance-based stuff where now you have all these coaches like that work at Google and places like that. We have all these interventions that can help people improve their lives outside of pathology. 
So I think when it comes to technology, yeah, go ahead, Will. No, go ahead. Yeah, no, keep So going. when it comes to technology, I think this is the realm where it's not sufficient because our, our standard models don't work anymore. So if we look at addictions, first of all, like 95% of addictions is substance use disorders. Okay. Right. right. So very few people like treat porn addiction or like sex and love addiction or whatever. So if you think about the training that, that y'all got, right, chances are mm -hmm. it's on substance use and you didn't spend, you know, I would be right. surprised if, if Will oh, saw exactly. a single patient who was addicted to sex. No, no, I, I can't say I have. Yeah, no. Right. So, so now what's going on is we've got a whole system that is designed on substance use disorders. And the goal of substance use disorders is sobriety. So all of our addiction research and our infrastructure is based on sobriety. But when it comes to technology, that's not an option. So this okay. is a huge gap in the field of psychiatry that the problem that we're facing is fundamentally different. Yeah. And, and so what we try to do is help people build a life that is worth living. That's the ultimate antidote to a technology addiction is when your psychological needs can be met in a more healthy way in the external world as opposed to the virtual world, that is when the natural desire to play video games will disappear. And that's kind of what we shoot for, which is not usually what psychiatry focuses yeah. on. Yeah. Right. So what is your approach? How do you shoot for that? What do you do? So I think we teach a lot of this do? Eastern stuff. So it starts with really simple stuff like, okay, like what, what does a game do to you? And what are your goals? Like what kind of life do you want? And how can you go about building that life? So we offer a lot of like kind of behavioral based interventions too, where we'll teach people like, okay, like what's something that you can do that will help you feel better about yourself and stuff like that? Why is it hard for you to do that, right? So this is the other problem we have in medicine is that we'll make, we'll, we'll have these studies that will say, okay, exercise helps reduce video game playing or this kind of intervention, these cross-sectional studies that show eating fiber, pooping properly, exercise, getting hugged, having a cat, all of these things <laughs> will improve your mental health outcomes. But in our system of research, we don't help people how to do the how. So how right. do I avoid eating crap? Like we don't teach people that. So what we really try to do at HG is, is the kind of the same stuff I was telling y'all about parenting is inviting people to observe themselves and become aware. And this is what's really fascinating is that people think, so people don't understand neuroscientifically what willpower is. The circuit in our brain that gives us awareness is the same circuit as willpower. Willpower is not actually separate from awareness. They're the same. And so all you have to do is increase awareness. And that gets kind of confusing, but I can explain into more detail if you want. But it's kind of weird because we think yeah, about willpower as, an, as a separate thing from sure. awareness, but they're actually not in the brain. Same part of the brain. Which part is it? Out of curiosity. Um, <laughs> I think it's the frontomedial gyrus. I know that. Frontal medial, okay. frontal medial gyrus. I, that means FMG. nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> it means something to me, but yeah, not a lot yeah. anymore. It's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Got to refresh my neuroanatomy. Yeah. Let's, let's take a, a quick break and then we'll come back with Dr. K. Hey, Kristen, what do you know about hearts? Well, I know they need to beat. That's true. And you're really good at making them do that. Yeah, I did that one. You helped me with mine. I did. I, was, I still appreciate that, by oh, the way. Oh, well, you're yeah, welcome. Yeah. You know what would help you learn even more about hearts? What? The Echo Core 500 digital stethoscope with three lead ECG. Nice. This thing is awesome. How do I look? How do I look? You look so the... fancy. Doesn't that look nice? Yeah. It's like, like anybody who listens to hearts in your job yeah. could benefit from one of these. That's right. It's got 40 times noise amplification, mm. noise cancellation, three audio filter modes, and a full color display. Yeah. So you can listen and see the ECG. That's it's amazing. Right. It, it's really cool. I mean, what stethoscope allows you to do that? I know. We live it, in the it, future. It's incredible. It's also the best sounding a digital stethoscope that you're going to find out there. Trust me on that. We have a special offer for our U.S. listeners. Visit echohealth.com slash KKH and use code NOCK50 to experience Echo's Core 500 digital stethoscope technology. That's ekohealth slash KKH and use NOCK50 to get a 75-day risk-free trial and a free case and free shipping with this exclusive offer. 
Hey, Kristen, do you mind if this little guy stares at you while you talk? Well, you know, they're kind of growing on me. I mean, hopefully not literally, but but these cute little guys. You know what they are, right? Yeah. Demodex mites. That's right. They cause itchy, red, scaly skin on the eyelids because yeah. they live on the eyelash follicles. Yeah, just eating up all your dirts and oils. That's why it's important to get your eyelids checked out if you have those types of symptoms. Don't freak out. Get checked out. To find out more, go to eyelidcheck.com. That's E-Y-E-L-I-D check.com to get more information about Demodex Leveritis. All right, we are back with Dr. K. And I just have uh, uh, one more follow-up question. I have a little a fun activity for us to play. I think it'll be fun. Uh, uh, I, I personally think it'll be fun. I don't know if you guys will think it's fun, but that's not what matters. You gotta have Connor. You gotta just fun. sell it. You gotta convince us it'll be fun. <laughs> that's right. But first, uh, Dr. K, I want to just uh, one more follow up question. You've mentioned gaps in medical training and psychiatry. What What do you think we can do to to bridge this gap? And is it possible? Because it sounds like psychiatry. You're right. Is geared toward pathology. And that's important, right? We still have to 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 do that to to educate, you know, physicians about that. But what can we do to kind of bridge this gap? So I think a couple of things. Um, the first is I, I think, like you said, we have to first of all acknowledge that psychiatry is the goals are generally speaking a little bit more acute, a little bit more pathological. But I think what we're starting to understand is that the mind as an organ is like different from all the other organs. So it's the only organ of the body that requires, for example, social interaction to be healthy. It's mm -hmm. the only organ that, you know, the baseline level of health, if we look at what makes people's minds healthy, it's not necessarily stuff that is done in an office. So this is what's so tricky, right? So we can look at something like exercise, where exercise has good outcomes for endocrinology, for cardiology, for right. pulmonology, every organ system of the body, but we don't teach people how to exercise. That's not what physicians do. But if you look at like, you know, the single, I think the single most effective thing that you can ever do as a doctor is help your patient quit smoking in terms of outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so in psychiatry, right. we sort of have to acknowledge that this is a problem and we have to train people to deal with acute stuff. But I think it would be helpful if we really helped at least psychiatrists be a little bit more aware of technology's impact. So I think that's the first thing that has to happen is we really have to teach gotcha. more about technology, the neuroscience of it, the, the psychology of it. Because I, I think technology addiction is growing very rapidly. I mean, the highest prevalence is like 22% in, in some countries, like in the Middle East, which oh, wow. is staggering. Like alcohol is, is like 6%. Wow. Um, is, the, is the research there? I mean, I, I assume there's a lot of work being done to, to you know, quantify and, and kind of try to figure out the underlying pathophysiologic yeah, so I, I think here. that there's a lot of research and it's not quite there. And I think this is where the second thing that we need to do is change the way that we adapt to medical problems. So right now we've got a system that's just way too slow. So what happens is we do a bunch of studies, right? So each study, like you're one year in IRB, you recruit human subjects, the trial lasts three years, you do data analysis, or let, and then so four years right. after you start the study, you have a, a publication. We mm -hmm. wait for 20 to 25 publications. Then we develop a guideline. Then the guideline gets taught to medical students who then eight years later become psychiatrists right. and then enter clinical practice. So <laughs> Meanwhile, that technology is now obsolete. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's the key thing. You hit, hit the nail on the head there, Kristen, because we have studies coming out about how to deal with Facebook. And like Facebook usage has already declined so much. So the pace at which technology is advancing, our medic medicine can't keep up. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, it takes a worldwide effort to get something like a COVID vaccine in one year, right? Which is right. the fastest medicine has ever moved. Right. And, and so I think we need to change the way that we sort of do training a little bit. And I think sort of like more like CME kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where we really need to, we need people to understand that, especially when we're dealing with technology, that it's going to be changing every six months and we need some way to keep up with that. The closest yeah. thing in medicine I can think of is almost something like an antibiogram where, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the each thing is unique. Each bacteria is unique and has unique resistances. Let's develop a system to create a personalized rapid approach that can target this very specific thing. 
And what we've sort of found in, in with video game addiction and technology addiction is that there's a subset of all these different disorders. So even the reason someone gets addicted to Instagram as opposed to Facebook, as opposed to TikTok, as opposed to a video game, there are different fundamental psychological things going on. And understanding those things, it, I think is really important. But I think we need to move faster and we need to have a slightly better emphasis on behavioral addictions and mm -hmm. teach a little bit more beyond sobriety is the only answer. Right. Do you, do you still game? Do Absolutely. You, do you, what do you, I'm, I'm curious, what do you play? Uh, what's your, so what's right your now I'm playing Elden Ring, if y'all are familiar with it. I'm playing Mario with my kids. We just, um, we bought Mario as well. And <laughs> then we, uh, you say bought. we as if I'm we, involved in this. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I love video games, I grew up on video games. I love yeah. playing, and so we we bought the Mario game, and it's 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 a it's a fun. I I've un, underestimated how much fun it can be like to do that as a family. Yeah, like to it's you know it's just a way to yeah. connect with the kids. Well, what is this? Might this is a weird question given the topic of addiction, but like I think I'm broken in the other way. Like yeah. it does not. I just can't get into it. It does nothing for me. I'm bored. Okay, but also you ha do have a pathological lack of competitiveness. Yeah, that's true. It <laughs> just there's no point. I, I guess I'm a very practical person, and to me, it's like, what is the point of this? There's no practical. I'm not getting anything by doing this. <laughs> Stars and noises and stuff aren't yeah, doing it for me. Know. Yeah. So we know that. Uh, there are different personality characteristics that make people addicted to different kinds of games. So not, I mean, I have no idea, but my guess is that there are games and we know that a lot of the normal games are masculine focused. So they're like right. made for men, designed by men. Right. And that there are a lot of games out there like Animal Crossing or whatever that like sometimes women will enjoy more. But my wife hates that stuff too because she's like, this stuff feels like chores. Like I hate this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, women want to farm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we, I, and, and so she's kind of that way. And, and gaming isn't for everyone. Um, right. And, and that, yeah. that's what, what I kind of mean is that social media can sometimes scratch that itch for different people. Yeah. Yeah. Or podcasting. Po Here you go. Know. I jump you, around you, too much. I'm I, maybe I'm ADHD. I don't know. Maybe I've undiagnosed. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't sit and do something that long. Well, we're not gonna. We're not gonna make Doctor no, K. No, we're not gonna uh, diagnose um, me. Diagnosis anymore, <laughs> or, or or provide any other advice for us. Uh, he's already done plenty. But what I wanted to do before we wrap up here is, um, I have a game that Kristen, you're gonna play. Okay. And Doctor K is gonna help us with. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I, I try to come up with some kind of activity that's related to the topic that we're discussing. And so obviously it's gaming today. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you have to guess which, the, so I'm going to give you a name. Okay. <laughs> you have to guess, is this, is this the name of a, of a medication or is it a character in a video game? Two things I know nothing about. Awesome. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Oh boy, this we're is going to be interesting. Now we're going to start off because I know that you're not a, you're not into gaming at all. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're going to start with an easy one, Zelda. Okay, that's a game. <laughs> okay. Everyone knows that one. Very good. All right. <laughs> okay. How about um, Lumacress? Lumacress. That sounds like a medication. It is. It's a medication used to treat lung cancer. Okay. All right. How about Dragon Bloom? Well, that's got to be a game. <laughs> that's that's a video game. Uh, it's a, a name from uh, Monster Hunter. Have you ever played Monster Hunter? I have. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I, I've never played that one, actually. Here's one that might be kind of tough. Oblivon. 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 I'm going to go medication. Are you Same. familiar with that one? Uh, Oblivon or Oblivion? Obl <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. This is a brand name medication yeah hey. i would go with i would go with medicine. this is actually a, a sedative that was uh, launched in 1953 that Beautiful. sounds terrifying yes. now that i know that oblivion like like oblivion yeah. and it's a sedative from the 50s yes, exactly. i think you're not coming back from that one <laughs> exactly <laughs> time magazine described oblivion as taking the fear out of visits to the dentist Ooh, <laughs> because nice. you are completely dead that's right it was only available on prescription and was completely withdrawn in 1967 <laughs> do you know why what happened with I, I actually don't know the answer to that um i, I feel like it might be obvious reasons but i maybe, don't know uh, people were um going unconscious at the dentist and they didn't like that <laughs> i don't know okay here's 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 one 
Here's one. Okay. Stellara. Oh, that's a medication. I've heard commercials. Oh, you've that. heard that. Okay. Yeah. I thought I was going to get you on Stellara. Okay. <laughs> All right. There's a game um, called Stellaris. Ooh, Ooh Stellar. very close. What kind of game is that? It's a turn-based strategy game in space. Oh, gotcha. Mm. Okay. All right. Here's one. Um, Zyaflex. That's got to be a medication. God, you're, okay. I'm, I, I, all right, here's I'm one. better okay. at this than I thought I would be. They're, they just kind of, they have a sound to them. They do, but some of them are, all right, all right, here's one. Also sounds kind of like a Pokemon. Like some of these like medications <laughs> I think like, would yeah. be like Pokemon names. <laughs> like Snorlax. Yeah. Snorlax could be like some kind of laxative. I don't know. To help or... <laughs> you stop snoring? Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know. You can snore more when you're not having diarrhea <laughs> with Snorlax. Or, or something with the soft palate. Snoring. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah because relax. I think sounds like a good medication. I think most Pokemon. Right? Most, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Pikachu. Pikachu sounds like a sneeze medication. <laughs> Something to help you yeah. stop sneezing. Beautiful. <laughs> Allergy medicine. Pikachu. There you go. All right. Um, a couple more. Okay. Kalthus. Game. Yes. That is a name from Warcraft 3, The Frozen Throne. <laughs> Kalthus is a blood mage. Not to oh, be trifled with. Okay. Oh, you're you're familiar with Kalthus. Absolutely. What is it? A sounds like uh, the vegetable to me. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. It's... Also from uh, World of Warcraft, The Burning Crusade, and Shadowlands. Hmm. Anyway. Um, all right. World of Warcraft. I don't know all the twos and threes and whatnot, but that was the one that my parents. Yeah, your were parents were big into, into World of Warcraft. Time Absolutely. while I was in high school, yeah. it was a very oh, your cool were time. Wow, my parents. Oh yeah. yes, my oh, wow. parents. Oh yeah, they're playing into their probably their. I think 40s. they still have accounts. Fifties, yeah. yeah. No, so they're they're, in they're their into 60s. it. Um, all right, uh, let's see. How about Electo? Hmm, that's a tough that, one. That that's I'm gonna go game. Ah, you got it. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> That's actually from a game I play. It's probably that, oh. that character is probably from. It's like a a Greek, uh, like a mythology. I think it's yeah. a one of the Furies, I believe. Electo. Um, uh, it's in Hades. Uh, Hades. Hades. Yeah, nice. I love that Great game. game. Oh, that game is Fantastic so fun. Game. Is that the shooter one you do? Yeah, the one where I'm just yeah, it's just chaotic and yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic. It's basically right. like a video game about being in the emergency room. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I can see just that. people come at you spitting stuff vomiting stuff <laughs> shitting stuff all over you you have to dodge i never everything. made that connection but yeah. you're absolutely right <laughs> all right last one um question medication yeah all right i don't know what it is but they do they they each have their own sound to them <laughs> they do all right i've got to i got to i could have done better with this but no, anyway I mean, Kristen's really good i i don't think i would have i mean I, that... I know half the characters and <laughs> right. medications right. and i don't think i would have gotten <laughs> she her success rate is she's 100 percent, right so far. i know yeah yeah, yeah. Crushed it. i was a straight a student so, <laughs> yeah the last one i had which is probably too easy is raptor gaze oh that's a game yeah <laughs> from a game called guild wars 2 mm. anyway um i think it's more it's something from like the reading writing language yeah I guess pieces so. that that give it away for me but <laughs> Um, all right, so that was name that name, oh, I think. Right. right. Yeah, nicely done. Um, all right, so Dr. K, we want to make sure we uh, you know, give you a chance to talk about some of the things that you're working yeah. on. Yeah, tell us where everyone can find all of your things because I'm going to go look yes. <laughs> because yeah. I need to know how to fix. So I, I think if y'all are like interested in, <laughs> you know, most of the stuff that we're known for is our YouTube channel. So we've got a YouTube channel that's healthygamer underscore GG where we make just YouTube videos about all kinds of like applicable mental health stuff. So sometimes we'll go into deep dives of trauma and stuff like that. Um, but oftentimes it's more practical stuff like, you know, how do I better understand my emotions? How do I, where does emotion come from? Um, where does willpower come from? What's mm -hmm. going on in my brain when I'm unmotivated? Things like that. Yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. No, I just, I, that's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I think we try really hard to sort of combine like neuroscience and, and clinical medicine with like some of these Eastern concepts. So like sort of combining East and West. So subjectively, what, what's the meditation exercise and then what happens in your brain when you do it kind of thing. Um, we How? also have a, a guide to mental health, which is for people that are interested in kind of like my approach to particular diagnoses, like ADHD, depression, anxiety. Um, I also have a meditation guide. 
And then we have a book coming out, How to Raise a Healthy Gamer, in March. And you can awesome. get it anywhere you can pre-order stuff. And is that book one or two? Because I'm waiting that's, for three, so that, I need to know where we are. One. So okay. <laughs> first book is actually a parenting book, which is kind of interesting because that's not really our target audience. But I think just in terms of yeah. how to do the, have the biggest impact on video game addiction, right. I think we've got to equip parents because just like y'all, like parents Absolutely. don't know exactly what to do. Well, that was right. the first thing we wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people that could really appreciate some guidance on and, this. And I, I think parents don't, I think this may be the early time in history, maybe not the first time, where now y'all have an industry, like a multi-billion or even trillion dollar industry that is like invested in keeping your kid glued to the screen. Right. And so I think it's really hard to parent when you've got someone who's like, you know, in the past, we've had problems like nicotine and stuff like that, where there's like right. industries that are trying to addict your kids. But gaming is just so much more prevalent. It's so much more accepted. It starts at one year old or two years old. Right. And so it's really challenging for parents. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go. Yes. Subscribe to Absolutely. everything and purchase everything. <laughs> and you're so. on, it looks like you, you have uh, accounts on um, uh, most of the major platforms here yeah. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Healthy Gamer, uh, and the book, How to Raise a Healthy Gamer, coming out in March. So, uh, fantastic stuff. It's enlightening, very interesting talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. K. Thanks for having us or me. Thank you all for having us. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> there we are again. With the, <laughs> All right, hey, take care. I just learned a ton of stuff. I know, I feel like I could have asked him a million more questions, but they would have all been like personal. So. I feel like I feel like maybe I came a little hot out of the gate with the Roblox. You might have. I've been thinking yeah. I was like, but we've talked about it before. It's like like what is going on with this thing? It's it seems very addictive and yeah. I feel like I'm going to have my identity stolen. I know. I know. It's really sketchy sometimes. <laughs> they, want the, they want the money with the, to buy things, trinkets. The, the real money to buy the fake money to buy the things <laughs> right. that are just pixels. <laughs> but is it such good advice, though? On like, I've, I, I think I have some ideas of how we can like yeah. help our kids. Right, even just what he said in this yeah. episode. And then I'm I'm really excited to get his book and see what else Absolutely. is in there. Absolutely. Let us know what you guys think. Um, if you have also any ideas for guests, anybody you want to hear on our show, we'd love to get some feedback. There's lots of ways to hit us up. You can email us, knock, knock, hi at human-content.com. Uh, visit us on all the social media platforms. You can hang out with us and the Human Content Podcast family. We're a growing family. Aww. We've had we've had children, um, <laughs> uh, some adopted kids. Uh, we're just, we're really, just really, it's, it's, it's. I, your mind is a strange place. It I'm sure not is. sure where you're going with anyway, that. Anyway, Human Content Podcast family <laughs> on Instagram and TikTok at Human Content Pods. Thanks to all the wonderful listeners leaving feedback and reviews. We love those reviews. If you subscribe and comment on your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube, we can give you a shout out. Like today, Lorelai on Apple said, eyes are gross. Thank you, Lorelai. I agree. Nasty little face spheres. <laughs> By the way, that was a five-star review. Perfect. Oh, <laughs> love it. That one is right up my alley. Oh, that's, she's not wrong. <laughs> Nasty I, little face spears. <laughs> they, they, I, I love that. I might actually have to use that. That's pretty good. Um, also, full episodes of this podcast are up on my YouTube channel every week at D Glock and Flecken. We also have a Patreon. Lots of fun perks, bonus episodes, or react to ep uh, medical shows and movies. Uh, hang out with other members of the Knock Knock High community. It's another family that's growing. Yeah. Lots of children over there. But, yep, that's true. Maybe some grandchildren. Could be. Great, great, great. Not real sure of the demographics. <laughs> we're there. We are the, the patriarch and matriarch of the Patreon. So we're there. Uh, early ad-free episode access, interactive Q&A live stream events, and much more. Patreon.com slash Glockenflecken or go to Glockenflecken.com. Speaking of Patreon community perks, new member shout out Bella E, Marie H, Parker, and Kuma and Piotr. Peter. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. And as always, shout out to the Jonathans. A virtual head nod to you all. Patrick, Lucia C, Sharon S, Omar, Edward K, Stephen G, Jonathan F, Marion W, Mr. Granddaddy, Caitlin C, Brianna L, Dr. J, Ross Box, Chaver W, Leah D, K L, Rachel L, Ann P, Keith G, J, J, H, Abby H, Derek N, Jonathan A, Mark, Mary H, Susanna F, Mohammed K, Aviga, Parker, Bubblesalt, and Pink, Pink Macho. Macho. 
Thank you all for being Jonathans. We can never have too many Jonathans. I know. I love it. They're you growing. Never have They're multiplying. Jonathans. Patreon roulette time. Random shout out to someone on the emergency medicine tier. Shout out to Tarika for being a patron. Thank you, Tarika. And thank you all for listening. We're your hosts, Will and Kristen Flannery, also known as the Glock and Pleckens. Special thanks to our guest today, Dr. Alok Kanogia, a.k.a. the Healthy Gamer. Our executive producers are Will Flannery, Kristen Flannery, Aaron Cormie, Rod Goldman, and Shanti Brooke. I feel like I barely said Aaron Corny's name yeah, right. Yeah, you might have said Cormy. Corny. Maybe I said Corny. Corny? Corny. Uh, what did I say? I said it wrong. Anyway, he knows who he is. Our editor and engineer is Jason Portizo. Our music is by Omar Benzvi. To learn about Knock Knock High's program, disclaimer, ethics, policy, submission, verification, licensing, terms, hyper release terms, you can go to glockandflaggo.com or reach out to us at knockknockhighhuman-content.com with any questions, concerns, or fun medical puns or limericks. We got a limerick once. We Remember did. That? It was an AI-generated limerick. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I didn't AI realize AI still that. has a ways to go. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I think my job as a, a comedian ophthalmologist is secure. I think so. For, knock, for knock the time being. is a human content production. Hey, Kristen, you ready for the holidays? I am. I'm excited, but I'm also a little nervous because it's a really busy time of year. Yeah, we don't have time to do anything. I know. And it's really hard for physicians around the holidays. Yeah, everybody trying to sneak in before January. <laughs> everybody <laughs> everybody wants an appointment. And so you're just, you're pressed for time. You have to multitask and just try to get it, fit it all in. That's right. You know, with work and with home life and everything. But you know what helps? What's that? Dax. Oh, yeah. Saves you some time. The nuance. Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. It's it's great. It sits in the room with you and helps you with the documentation burden. So it's like one less thing you have to think about. Yeah, and it helps you connect with your patients better, which is always really important, especially around the holidays. Absolutely. We need to, to turn attention back to the patient-physician relationship. And uh, you should ask for it. Ask your company yeah. for DAX. Like, who wouldn't want a little DAX? Like a little Jonathan. Right. Just hanging out with you around the holidays. Yeah. It's fantastic. To learn more about the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience or DAX, visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X.